Hey everybody, I'm Duke Lamastra and I just want to say thanks so much for joining me. This week's discussion centers around learning to live our lives from the truth of what God has said and not according to the lies of the enemy. Listen, the world needs the hope that you know. The world needs the Jesus in you. And I was thinking about this, if you and I could just see ourselves the way that God sees us, we would never want to be anybody else. Like we would stop comparing ourselves and stop belittling ourselves and putting ourselves down if we could actually just see who we are in the eyes of God. But the enemy works tirelessly against our minds with the hope of getting us to compare ourselves to others, to doubt who God is, to question our identity, and so on and so forth. He attacks with the intention of undermining the flow of the grace of God in our lives. I just personally believe that every attack of the enemy is an attack on identity. It's always aimed at getting you to step outside of or become disconnected from worship. Now, there's nothing that the enemy can do to separate you from God. In fact, there's nothing in this world that can separate you from God. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's in Romans chapter 8. He saved you. He loves you. You belong to him. Period. All the enemy can really do is lie to you, and he's the father of lies. He did it to Eve in the garden. He tried to do it to Jesus in the wilderness. You and I are no different. He pokes around to see if he can just manipulate enough to inspire a little bit of doubt or confusion, a small crack in the foundation that he can exploit to get you into fear and unbelief. With even the garden, he started asking questions like, has God really said that you can't eat from this tree? She says, yeah, he told us that we can't eat from it and we can't even touch it or we will surely die. Listen, as far as we know, God never said that they couldn't touch the tree. He just said not to eat from it. God told Adam not to eat from the fruit of the tree. But there was nothing in there that said that they couldn't touch it. This just kind of shows that Eve was probably already dealing with something in her mind. Whenever you add to what God said, it usually means that you're trying to convince yourself of something that you're not really sure of. So anyway, she says, we can't eat the fruit and we can't even touch it. And what did the enemy do? He was like, you will not surely die. God knows that in the day you eat from this tree, your eyes will be open and you'll be wise like God, knowing good and evil. What did he do? He attacked the character of God, leading Eve to believe that God had something that he was holding back from her. He tricked her the same way that he tricks so many people. There's a better way than God's way. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. This was the moment that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, the Bible says. The heavens were torn open and the audible voice of God came through declaring, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. An incredible, defining moment in the life of Jesus. Amazing, beautiful words of love and affirmation. You are the Son that I love and I'm well pleased with you. 
the very next verse, it's the next chapter, it's Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says these words, Immediately Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, he had just received this world-defining word from his Father, and then immediately he was led out into the wilderness, and he underwent a period of 40 days... And during this 40-day period, there was spirit, you know, Jesus was fasting. He didn't eat anything. There was spiritual attack going on during this period. Yeah, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And the Bible tells us that he was tempted in all parts as we are, but without sin. So the enemy at the end of this 40-day period comes to Jesus and begins to poke around in a similar way that he did with Eve in the garden. The first thing he said was, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now remember back to just a few verses earlier, Jesus heard that word thunder from heaven, Jesus, you are my beloved son. Now the enemy approaches with, if you are the Son, if you are the Son of God. This was an attack on identity. The biggest lie in that sentence is also the smallest word in that sentence, the word if. Listen, when it comes to your position, anytime you start with if, you end up in confusion and you leave the door open for unbelief. There is no if. Let me just help you. Jesus hung on that cross in your place and declared it is finished. He didn't say it might be finished. This might be good enough to get you saved. No, his work is complete. He did everything necessary to get you into right standing, into right relationship with him, to get you seated at the table in the family of the most high God. You belong, period. So the enemy was attacking Jesus's identity, trying to get Jesus to doubt his position of sonship and to doubt the word that the father had spoken. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. In other words, if you are really God's son that he loves, then prove it. Do something. And one of the greatest lies ever told is that our works define our position in the heart of God. If you do this, then God will love you. If you act this way, then God will accept you. If you adhere to this code of conduct, then you'll be in right standing with God. Listen, and I cannot say this loud enough, but you are not defined by your works. You are not accepted on the basis of your works. You are accepted on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's a lie that says that you are only valuable to the extent that you can give or do or perform And it's just not true. When you live according to a mentality that says, I have to do something in order to get God's approval, then you actually end up with an inferior way of living. It's a counterfeit. It's a perversion of truth. Jesus came into this world in order to bring us into his He accomplished everything in our place that we couldn't do for ourselves. We enter into the family of God by grace. It's not by works. He doesn't accept you because of anything that you did and nothing that you do can separate you from his love. He is love and he accepts you on the basis of who he is and on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ.
Jesus' response to the enemy here in Matthew chapter 4 is really profound. He says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. For those that don't believe that Jesus became a man, well, here it is right out of his own mouth. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. Jesus never stopped being God, but he came in the flesh to show us what is possible for the born again child of God living under the power of the Holy Spirit. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus himself lived from the word of God. This is an incredible response. In the Greek language that the majority of the New Testament was written in, there are two words for the word word. There's the word logos, which when we're talking about the word of God, it's it's, it's always referring to the written word of God or the Bible. The other word is the word rhema, which again, when referencing the word of God, it refers to his breathed word, his word spoken to you directly in a personal way. Rhema is the word of revelation from the mouth of God to man. Now, rhema comes in many forms. It can come through the voice of God, like Jesus heard it in Matthew chapter three. It can come through the still small voice or the voice of God speaking to us in our spirit. It can come through visions, dreams, prophetic words. Rhema comes when the logos, the written word of God comes alive to you. We receive rhema in many different ways. God speaks to us in many different ways. He's a God that loves to communicate with us and he made his word, his voice so accessible. And whenever God communicates to you personally, it's called rhema. I just want to make that point clear. Now, this is the word that Jesus used in Matthew chapter four. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus had the opportunity while he was in the wilderness for 40 days with no food under spiritual attack to doubt the faithfulness of the father. But Jesus had a word, a promise that he was able to feed from during those 40 days. I am my father's beloved son and he is well pleased with me. The voice of God, listen, is not something extra. For the believer, the voice of God is essential. The voice of God is life. We live from his voice. If we don't live from his voice, we will inevitably live from something else. So the question is, what are you living from? What are you feeding from? Are you feeding off of the promises of God? Are you feeding off of what God said to you? Or are you feeding off of what you see? Your circumstances, your fears, your anxieties, the lives of the enemy. When we live from what God said and allow his word to nourish us, the result is life. It produces life in us. But what happens when you feed off the enemy's lies or the negativity of others or your own anxiety or your own fear? Well, what happens when you feed off of junk in the natural? It fills you up, but it doesn't actually nourish you, right? It doesn't produce anything good in you. When you try to draw from a lie, it only produces death. The word of your father in heaven produces life. What happens when you are faced with an invitation to entertain a thought that says, I'm only valuable to God as long as I'm performing, for example. 
Because when Eve was faced with a similar situation, the question of, has God really said, she kept the conversation going. It gave the enemy permission to continue and ultimately it inspired doubt within her that caused her to disobey the voice of God. Jesus, on the other hand, looked back to what the Father had said and rather than exchanging the truth of God's word for a lie, he stood upon the rhema of God and he said, I live from what my Father says. So when your circumstances conflict with what God has spoken or with what he showed you or with what he promised you, what do you do? Because it's easy to allow the things that we see to dictate our behavior. Remember, Jesus was told by God, son, I love you and I'm well pleased with you. And immediately he was in the wilderness. The word of God will be tested. He could have pointed his finger at the father and said, where are you, God? This is your fault. Why am I out here? And he could have given the devil a platform to stand on. But instead, he chose to remember the faithfulness of his father and the fact that he was the beloved son of God. He lived from the word of God, not from the lie. At the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that I believe that every time the enemy attacks, he's always after an identity issue. He fights and strives in an attempt to keep you from discovering your true value and significance. He attacks your personal identity and he attacks the character of God. It doesn't matter what the basis of the attack is, you know, financial, health, relational, whatever. The aim is always to get you to doubt either your authority as a believer or the faithfulness of God through it all. As believers, our assignment is to believe God. Imagine that, not just for salvation, but for everything. We stand on his word. We trust what he said. We look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to him because he who promised is faithful. We look to him because he who began a good work in us is faithful to see it through to its completion. That's who he is. He does not change. So we can live according to his word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. All right, guys, that will do it for episode 15. I hope this was helpful to you. Thanks again for being here. Remember, next week's episode will be available Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Central. Don't forget to subscribe. Have a great week. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness to accomplish every word that you have ever spoken. You never change. Your nature, your goodness, your faithfulness gives us a solid foundation to stand on in believing you for the impossible. Teach us more and more to live according to your word. And my prayer is that you would give us all ears to hear your voice like never before and a hunger for revelation. In Jesus' name, amen.